We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we broadcast, the Darkenjung people, and pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Chat to the future, the future, the future. Hello and welcome back to Chat to the Future. We have a very special episode today with a special guest, Liesl Tesh, who is the member for Gosford here on the Central Coast. I'm here with Graylin. Hello, how are we? And Liesl Tesh herself. Hello, how exciting. Fantastic. So Liesl is in New South Wales as a, re- as a representative for the Parliamentary Secretary for Families and Communities and the Parliamentary Secretary for Disability Inclusion and is also just a fantastic person overall and a progressive member of parliament since 2017. Since 2017. Since 2017. Wow, as well as a fantastic advocate for all people, especially youth. So we'd love to hear from Liesl herself. That's a really big compliment. Thank you. I feel like I should be doing so much more in the youth space, but like getting the voice of young people into the parliament is so, so, so important. But yeah, no, feels like yesterday where I was elected. And when you come into this job, you want to get so many things done. But I have been in opposition for six years, but we've been in government since March 2024. Three, so that's actually. I feel like the ship's turning. It's really nice because before you didn't control the agenda or the money, and now we've actually re, re, reinvesting in the public service and really getting on with the dreams that are in our heads are now becoming real. Fantastic. So we'd love to hear more about your role and your passion for everything that you do in the community, especially either how you got into it or um, what you're planning to achieve, especially now that the tide has changed for you. Yeah, no, it's lovely. It's exciting times. I was a I was a full-time Paralympian and a school teacher for nearly 30 years. So I played wheelchair wow. basketball and for five Paralympics and I sailed for two. But when I changed from basketball to sailing, I actually joined the Labor Party because I wanted to give back to my community because athletes are actually really, you need to be quite selfish. And I just wanted to give back. And I never imagined in a million years becoming a member of parliament. But when sailing wasn't in the Tokyo Paralympics and the letter came in the post from Kathy Smith, who was the previous member for Gosford because she had cancer, I intuitively knew that my life was going to change. And so then it was called a by-election. So a by-election happens when someone leaves parliament midterm. So a normal election is when everybody gets re-elected, but a by-election may happen in one or two seats when someone leaves for whatever reason. So I put my hand up and here I am. It's like, goodness gracious, it's the learning curve. And I think this is a lesson that I've lived my whole life. Like when there's an opportunity there, you've got to be so unscared that you actually take that opportunity and be confident in yourself that you're going to have the support around you to learn the job. And I tell you what, when the Labor women came up to Doorknock with me and I got them to come up to um, Bogan Road in Etlong <laughs> and they had their high heels on. Like they were way more disabled than I was because I knew what the territory was <laughs> but also I felt like these are my women. So I really, mm-hmm. like I was probably the most political and the most feminist in my group mm-hmm. from school and across life always wants to argue politics over dinner parties mm-hmm. now. I don't want to argue politics over dinner party because I live that life every day. <laughs> but, yeah, and so now, I don't know, between probably – 15 and 25 weeks a year, depending on what the parliamentary schedule is, I'm down at Macquarie Street, which is called the Bear Pit, which is a very intense, close-knit, lower house assembly, and I'm one of 93 people representing communities across New South Wales. And so laws in New South Wales can either start in the Legislative Assembly, which is the Bear Pit, or start in the Upper House, the Legislative Council, and they've got to be passed by both both houses. So I represent in one of those houses and whenever laws come up that really impact my community, I've got a responsibility to speak on that legislation, pros or cons, representing the voice of my community. So that's my parliamentary role. 
And then on the coast, and I feel like Parliament's very, very serious and feels like it's just the school term. When I'm on the coast, I just love being with people and with being with our community. It's almost like school holidays mm-hmm. because I just get to go to all sorts of things and do all sorts of reading. But it's really about meeting with people and building community, which is where I had the pleasure of meeting Anna during mm-hmm. the Max Potential, which is a, one, another great thing for young people in our community. So that's sort of the long and the, the very short of that one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Definitely. And how important it is for you um, to be so involved in the community as a state member, to be able to hear the concerns? How can people reach you and what, what do you do with deal with on the day-to-day? Yeah, it's it's super important that I'm, I really do a lot of work when I'm out and about at community events. So making those connections and having those conversations gives you a lot more understanding on the grassroots understanding of where the community's at compared to sitting in the office. Like mm-hmm. I'm not going to find that out waiting for people to come in. And the people who come into the office, absolutely genuine concerns. And I get probably hundreds of emails every day and phone calls. So I've got three full-time staff equivalent who deal with the community concerns and they organise my diary and meetings and things. But being out there amongst the community is really getting your fingers dirty and knowing what's going on and knowing what has to be done. So there's one example I had, I set up these things called mobile offices. So just before COVID hit, I was down at the park near the Gosford regional gallery and two older gentlemen came up to said, Lisa, they're selling our affordable housing. We're going to have to find somewhere else to live. I'm like, oh, goodness gracious me. So that, and then COVID lockdown came, but during lockdown, I was able to negotiate with the potential buyers to keep those tenants in place. And the buyers were a bunch of Central Coast developers who were so generous. They then allowed us to open up the old nursing home facility, which was sitting there waiting for a development application. So we've now got 16 women escaping domestic violence living in that facility. And then because interest rates went up, they still they have to sell the place with the the old the old affordable housing. So then it's like, oh my goodness, we have to go through all this again. But because they know me, they contact me straight away. I spoke to Dr. Gordon Reed. There's a federal bunch of money that's for housing. And so working together, we've actually secured that. And that now comes under the state affordable housing section. But we just know that 32 older people have now got a safe and secure place, a forever home in East mm-hmm. Gosford. And people, vulnerable people deserve a good place to live as well. But that, if I wasn't out and about on the ground, that would never have happened. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm. So moving back to youth and education specifically, um, do you have any advice for young people who want to get into politics at a younger age and what they should do? Come and do work as president in my office. No, <laughs> yeah, no. Abs- and I wish I got into it earlier. Like I was pretty political, but I didn't know that Young Labor existed. So Young Labor, there's Young Labor, there's Young Liberals. There's also a bit of a Youth Greens, less formal movement, I understand. But Young Labor is a group of young people who've got political interests who come together and debate and discuss, but also f- form policies. That Last weekend, they had the state Young Labor conference where they talked about improving public transport where they talked about better access to housing, better rights for renters, better environmental, like what else do we do for the environment? So grassroots policy and labour actually comes from branches but also comes from our young people building it up. So, And there's a left faction, a right faction that have these great big debates (laughs) and warfare, which is also loads of fun if you're into that. But I think first step, come and have a chat in the office and people often do something in their society and culture projects, which are a bit political, and I have a chat through there. I've met people through... Max Potential. I also hold a youth forum. So youth leaders from across the coast come together every year in the Central Coast Research Institute and they have access to all sorts of different, um, I suppose, sources of information that young people need and also particularly mental health information because I think a lot of young 
leaders actually support people for their friends as first step as support for mm-hmm. mental health. So the youth forum's magical and from there comes visits. I have people shadow me in parliament. So there's lots of opportunities. But young Labor's there and available and so is the young Liberals if you're from the other side of politics. <laughs> <laughs> and coming from a teaching background, do you have any changes you'd like to see in the education system in the future? Or like- oh, Well, it was so beautiful. Prue Carves, the Minister for Education, and she is my hero. She's just done an amazing job. I mean, we've been in government eight months and she's made 17,000 teachers and support staff permanent who under the previous oh. government were left in temporary positions. So every year it was like the Hunger Games trying to get a job for the following year. And plus when you when you don't have full-time work, you're not able to get loans. So that's super, super important and that's that's a big one. And then your other favourite thing about Prue is that she had the opportunity on the day the HSC first in the States came out, Prue took the time to ring every single first in the state. So wow. that's magical. But there's definitely more work to go and there's also more work to go in the NDIS linking and improving the ability for young people with disabilities to get the best out of schools and that's work that will come and that's combined with the federal Parliament, so Bill Shorten and Kate Washington, who's our, our Minister for Disabilities alongside education to get better outcomes for kids with autism and kids with diverse neuro challenges and just kids with intellectual disabilities and mental health in our public education. We've got to make sure we get the best outcome we can. Have you got any good examples of people? Oh, I've got such a beautiful example. I had the privilege of going to the Henry Kendall High School graduation where the ducks of Henry Kendall was in the support. I'm sure Xander won't mind me sharing this. So he was in the support unit when he left um, his junior, his primary school, and he was rejected from some posh private school and they didn't let him go. So he went to Henry Kendall and Henry Kendall realised this kid's got an incredible capacity. He's Xander's um, got autism and he's also nonverbal. But during the course of his high school career, they integrated him to some lessons to the point that he did his maths HSC when he was in year 11 and topped the school. And he did all the other subjects and became ducks of Henry Kendall High School, even though he doesn't speak and he was in a support unit when he started. And he did the duck speech using a video that he'd made with AI and, like, it was hilarious. It was hugely mm. gratitude and Xander stood on the school and he on the stage watching the video and we we're all super happy and he communicates by texting. I mean, the world is possible mm. and I think public education has got the responsibility to provide the best to everybody no matter who we are. Wow, that's phenomenal and very <laughs> inspirational, obviously, exactly as you have been throughout your entire career. And we'd love to hear um, more about your particular passions in in politics, as well as any advice of resilience and perseverance, both personally and professionally, that you've had. Mm, I suppose I have got the deep love or the deep desire to make change because of my interest in the environment. Like, mm-hmm. so I was... I did. I came first in the state in geography in the HSC, has one, um, <laughs> and then went on to uni. But I've got a double major in geography, which really, mm-hmm. in 1986, climate change was on the agenda, and it's still on the agenda. And it's this is our first year in, but we've just put through a climate futures bill, yes. zero by 2050, which is like just makes me so happy. I mean, I'd love to be doing more quicker, but we're mm-hmm. picking up the pieces of a federal and state labor government. But the climate, the climate future for you guys, it's not for me. It's for you guys, yes. which is to me says. Why it's so important to have young people in the parliament is probably the the main reason I'm in there. But then you come into the parliament with 
I'd love to have more young people, really young people in there, but it's also you bring in your life experience. So I'm a whole experience with the world of disability. And at the beginning they said, oh, you should become Minister for Disability. It's like, no, I don't want to be the Minister. I want to make sure every single portfolio is accountable and inclusive. And I'm mm-hmm. still doing that, which is just unreal. Um, but also now that we're in government, I can do so much more. So employment for people with disabilities is mm-hmm. huge. So under the previous government, it went from... down to 2.2% or something. It was just Mm -hmm. atrocious. So I just think people with disabilities have got so much to offer. And so reshaping the thinking around that in the public sector in particular and in the private sector, what can we do to make that better is another passion of mine. When you talk about frustrations, government's so slow. It takes a long time. Like we've got $8.5 million to do the Gosford Waterfront. I mean, people have been talking about the Gosford Waterfront for 40 40 years. This is the first time people have put money on the table, but we really want to know what's under that waterfront and what the potential is before we move forward. And I don't know what young people think, and I'd love to hear what your thoughts, but I actually think the plans that the council put out, they're two or three stories. I actually think that's not building a future for 2050. The Gosford Waterfront needs to be an absolute spectacular showcase, and I think we can do better than two and three story just apartments with a couple of shops underneath that looks like Darling Harbour looked in the 1980s. So (laughs) my vision's bigger and so it'll be really a challenge as well to take the community on a journey which is designing a future for people your age whilst the loudest voices are people who are retired who are banging on that they want the change to look like what they grew up with, Mm. which is, yeah, a bit of a challenge. So that's, I suppose, the challenge. And then from a personal perspective, just, I mean, being a wheelchair user and the first woman in the parliament, this white man looked down his nose at me and said, but this is the oldest parliament in New South Wales. I'm like, well, there's a woman sitting in that seat over there and I'm in this parliament now, so we have to make some changes. Mm -hmm. So even making the parliament accessible has been a challenging learning curve for me, but it also really reinforces that we've got so much work to do to make our communities really inclusive. Dude, I reckon I can get through like 10 shots tonight, easy. 10 shots? Yeah, what of it? Do you know how much that is? Come on, mate, it's only like two or three drinks. Mate, it's equal to 10 standard drinks. 10 drinks? How'd you know? Says so right here. It's an official website, mate. Do you really know what a standard drink looks like? Not really, if I'm being honest, mate. Where can I find out? You can find out on the Your Room website. Learn how many standard drinks are in common glasses like shots, schooners and pints. Visit yourroom.health.newsouthwales.gov.au For more advice and support, visit yourroom.health.newsouthwales.gov.au or find direct services near you at the Your Room Service Hub. Moving away from politics now, we've never had a gold medal winner on the podcast, so I'd like you to replicate the feeling of getting a gold medal for the first time. How did you feel in that moment? Oh, if you can see my smiling face on the podcast, you can tell that it's like they could have put a rusted car on barbed wire around my neck, but the happiness that you have when you get a gold medal is something that is still in my heart at the moment. And it's something like I'd worked for it for 24 years, which is another, I think, a really important message. Do not give up on your dreams. Mm-hmm. Like coming seventh in Barcelona and fourth in Atlanta and second, winning silver in a team sport when you went to be winning gold is crap, I'll just tell you right now. <laughs> um, and we've got two silvers and a bronze. So winning that first gold for me, I think because I'd persevered for so long, was possibly more meaningful than someone who you don't want to take anyone's glory away, but it was a pretty amazing moment. 
but I might add some challenging background in there. My mum was sick with cancer as we left Australia and she like we had the conversation with the family, do I go or don't I go? And mum's like, you have to go because this is like every parent wants their kids to achieve their dreams. And after the first race, we won our first two races and I was back and I'd had the ice bath and I'm lying in my bed with a hot water bottle trying to get warm, shivering, and my sister rang and she said, sissy, mum's passed away. And so on the very first day of racing, my mum died. It's like, well, there's nothing. We had the conversation. If it happens, there's nothing I can do about coming home. So... More than anything else in the whole wide world, I did it for my mum. And like it makes me cry now, but yeah. mums want us to do the best. They want us to be the best we can and it just is. And also I think the power, that privilege of being an athlete for all those years, the self-discipline that I had, I mean that like I wasn't going to be distracted by that. I had these crazy dreams at night, but that gold medal was even more meaningful because we'd done it despite mum passing away at the beginning of the competition. Do you think that since it took 24 years to get the gold medal, it was more meaningful than if you had won it on the first year of doing it? I think so. I would have been ungrateful. Yeah. <laughs> and I must also say the second gold medal is nowhere near as, like we backed that up with a gold in Rio, it's nowhere near as meaningful as the first one. Like isn't that weird? But yeah. that's that's my truth. Yeah. yeah. Coming off of that, is there something in your life, whatever career path, because you've got a lot more life experience than Graylin and I combined, um, is there something you're most particularly proud of or something you're looking forward to next? Well, I think in when I was first, before I became an MP, I dreamed up something called the National Paralympian Mentoring Program and it was only a dream in my head and I'd taken, I went back to work four days a week as a teacher and so I had two days getting it organised and getting my brain and starting to draft the syllabus and getting some contacts and connections. But then I put my hand up, become a member of parliament. So it went on the back burner. But when COVID hit, all of a sudden I had nights where I didn't have to go to functions. So my girlfriend and I, I hauled in a girlfriend's lovely Sarah Stewart, and we wrote the full curriculum and we delivered the first round of it. Because when I first thought about it, I was going to be flying people in from all over Australia and having like guide dogs and wheelchairs and food allergies. And it was going to be so expensive. It turned into online line and so that is now in its third year and it's running really smoothly so it's a nice yeah. little dream in the background so I've got always lots of ideas in my head so mm -hmm. I've also set up an international aid and development organization called Sport Matters and that's 12 years old now and that delivers sport as a community building thing around the world which is a bit funky and a new way of doing development and then the National Wheelchair Basketball League the Women's National Wheelchair Basketball League sort of has fallen over, so in my head I can't let that go away. It's so important for the fitness and well-being of people, women with disabilities who are playing decent-level basketball, so I'm charging to get that reformed across Australia at the moment. Wow. <laughs> and since you are so involved in youth and youth issues, is there anything you wanted to shed light on, on anything, um, anything upcoming for youth or anything you want um, people to hear more about in the community? I think... There's lots going on in Gosford over the summer. So the state government's got a safe cities program and so we're working with the Central Coast Council and there's lots. there were lots of things happening in December but there's also picnics and live music and we've got um, a laneway painted up with fairy lights. There's light shows in Kibble Park. So just keep your eye out on what's going on in Gosford because it really came through talking to women and girls and also non-binary people about what they wanted to try and make Gosford safer. So that's sort of get involved if you possibly can because the more people get involved the better it's going to be. We've also got some youth funding for the peninsula, so down on Woi Woi and your minor regional youth support services now operating down there, which is super important. Mm -hmm. And Labor's got a huge commitment to live music. So under the previous government, the One Punch 
program really shut down a lot of live music in Sydney, but really shut down a lot of music across across New South Wales. And also the planning regulations that existed meant that if a couple of people moved in besides a, a live music venue, beside a pub, and there were a few whinges, we shut down mm-hmm. the live music, which is just atrocious. I mean, so we're going to have a program that if you move in next to a live music venue, too bad, so sad if the pub was there <laughs> first. So we've got to put that into a formal procedure. But I think mm-hmm. that's really important because creativity and the arts is so, so, so important. So watch this space, I think, about how we move forward with live music and supporting all aspects of the music industry as well. And the other beautiful thing is the sod has been turned for the new university in Gosford. So we're going to be having a really funky, it's a wooden building, it's a six-star building, and so, and University of Newcastle's got a pretty good record, lots of first-in family, first-time kids ever go to university, lots of kids from low socioeconomic backgrounds there, and there's also pathways, if you don't get the ATAR to get in, Newcastle Uni's got lots of pathways, so that's going to be coming in a pretty funky new building that will be open or going to plan for second semester 2025, and as well as that, we've got the Central Coast Research Institute So if you want to study anything in the health facilities, we can do it right here on the coast, which in this day and age is way cheaper than moving away from home. So I think that's super important. Plus, loads of TAFE is free at the moment. So if you're sitting idle, a lot of it's online, so there's flexibility in there as well. Some of it's face-to-face. Get onto the New South Wales TAFE website and have a look what you can do because lots of the stuff, crucial industries we need straight away, aged care, um, nursing, caring for people with disabilities, which is good part-time work as well if you are thinking of studying or just entering the workforce, something's available for you free at TAFE. Well, coming from a dancing background, I definitely agree live music is definitely better. So, <laughs> yes, I agree with that. I'm very happy to hear that. Bring it on. Yep. And <laughs> yeah, and there's, there's gigs at there's gigs at, at um, Drifters. There's also gigs at Gosford Leagues Club. There's something at the sailing club over new happy new year as well as the fireworks will be going off down there too but i'll keep that in mind <laughs> <laughs> even here where we record at king Cumber youth center we've got fantastic things going on always with youth on the coast invite me along i'd love to come <laughs> <laughs> a little bit uncool but that's okay <laughs> out of all the locations you've been like around the world what has been your favorite oh my goodness that's so hard <laughs> now that the Olympics and Paralympics in Paris. I lived in Paris for a season. Oh. So I lived in the Canzion Morondissement, Je parle un petit peu de français. Wow. And so <laughs> that's coming rushing back at me with beautiful memories. I mean, Rio was amazing. Like it's such a beautiful, beautiful city and to be there and compete and like live in the in the community for some time in the training was just fantastic. Mm. Me gusta mucho España. I lived in Spain mm. for a season. Um, Palompo Italiano. I lived in Sardinia. I played wheelchair basketball professionally in the men's league in Italy and lived on an island called Sardinia in the middle of the Mediterranean mm-hmm. in Eustace. I bought a Vespa to ride to training, but I crashed it on the first day. So I used to get dinked to training by my one-legged flatmate. <laughs> so I've had some, it's had some good times, but I think that's about listening carefully to the opportunities that come and being prepared to take those risks because I could have easily said no and just stayed home and not done any of the things that I've done. Like, and I don't regret being a school teacher. I love being a teacher, but I've also taken the opportunity to do, live a bigger life. Mm. 
And um, I've obviously heard your story many times. You're fantastic and inspirational and that you're in Paris at the time you got the call to come to Woi Woi. And I'd uh, <laughs> love to hear what keeps you coming back to the coast all these years I later. just love it. I mean, I, go- I was living in Paris and I Googled Woi Woi. I'd only ever been here once. I lived at Womberall when I was teaching at Berkeley Vale Community High School. I'd only been to the peninsula once, but I Googled it. Wow, it's got water on three sides. It's got a ferry to Sydney and it's got a ferry to Saratoga. And I've got friends in both those places. It's got a train station and it's got an expressway and basketball was always in Sydney and my family was in Newcastle and I just love the peninsula. Like I just love the Central Coast. And for me also it's a really important part of one of the things I wanted to do was be a town planner but I went and worked as a town planner at Wyong Council over the summer when I finished school before I started uni and I hated what they were doing to the environment. But one thing we've got on the coast is our coslands. So at the top of all the mountains we've got this green space which is just beautiful. So when you sail past Sydney it's just got houses all the way up the top of the hills. When you sail past the coast it's got green. When you're at the Brisbane waters, when you're in the hospital, you look out and we've got these green mountains all around us. And that's a beautiful part of the planning that's protected our green space and makes the central coast really unique. But from an interesting background is that it cost way more in the olden days to pump the water up the hill. So it was way cheaper to not build houses up the hill. (laughs) So it's actually a bonus that we get to live with. Amazing. And just as we come to conclude our interview, is there anything you want to particularly shed light on, be it mental health or any environmental things? I also understand that mental health is a really big challenge, especially for young people. So we've opened up something called Safe Haven at Gosford Hospital as well. So it's a uh, if you're standing at Gosford High School and you walk up the hill, it's on the right-hand side. It's only open 9 to 5, which is a bit of a pain because mental health doesn't always happen in those hours. Mm-hmm. But it's a lovely wraparound facility and it's actually got people who with lived experience. So it's got peer support port workers or people who've had that suicidal ideology and have been through the system and been through the challenges. So if you do know someone, um, reach out and let them know that Safe Haven is there as well as all the online lifelines and all those numbers you can call. Like realistically, get on the chat, get on the chat and have a bit of a heart-to-heart with a complete stranger who's trained to help you and direct you to other services. Amazing. Thank you. And obviously we recognise how important that is for everyone to hear that and hopefully to get the support that they obviously deserve and require. One other thing, don't be scared of being brave enough to get into a new sporting team. Mm -hmm. As a team athlete, I think having those people wrapped around you as -hmm. support people and having that alternative adult who's not your mum and dad as as someone else who's got their eye on you, I think sports are really another important thing and we've got so many great sporting opportunities across the coast and if you can't afford the sport, maybe pop into your local neighbourhood centre and see if there's anyone else who can help support you there or your local Lions or Rotary will possibly fund your, your tiptoes into the sporting arena. Well, that's been a fantastic interview. Thank you for coming in. And I think we've talked about so many amazing different topics today. Mm -hmm. So thank you very much. Sorry if I went too fast. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And thanks thanks for listening out there in Listen Land. (laughs) 